Welcome to Multiple Offers, a real estate show with competing perspectives. Today, we are talking about what is going on in this market. Put that coffee down. If you're good at something, never do it for free. How'd you get the gig? Oh, you know, they were hiring. It was only a two-week course. I will sell this house today. What are you, some kind of real estate agent? Oh, he's a realtor. There is a difference somehow. This is Multiple Offers, a real estate show. All right, guys, welcome back. Today, we are going to be talking about the market and all of the crazy, potentially unexpected things that have been going on. Uh, but before we get into that, uh, Matt, Jer, two in a row. We, 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 we're doing another podcast. Two episodes in a row. Two episodes two. in a row. You're going to make our listeners think we're not committed to season two. I, I am telling them that we are committed. I, okay, let's yeah. make that clear. The, um, this is going to go way off topic, but uh, Matt, I feel like it was you who talked about Jerry Seinfeld's X's method for creating a good habit. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, I'm not a clue, so I did not talk to you about this. Didn't you set a New Year's resolution one year where you're like, I'll never miss working out twice in a row? Oh, like, yeah. I'm, that's a Seinfeld thing. Seinfeld... Uh... Sorry, it was just my own thing. Okay, so you and Seinfeld think alike. His That was his method of practicing stand-up was, it's okay to miss one day, but... Never miss two. Never miss two. Yeah, that's that's where I I built my routine from. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. So there. Oh, oh. Me and you Jerry. And Seinfeld. Yeah. Yeah. You <laughs> and Jerry Major. You and Jerry Seinfeld. There's a you and Jeremy Bear. Ray. Yeah. Um, yeah. Jer Bear. But uh, before we get into this, what's going on? You guys been busy? Yeah. Yeah. So fairly fairly busy for for yeah. the beginning of the year. It, I mean, as is going to come through the show. Yeah. More calls. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> I would say a little bit out of the ordinary for. For January, but we won't get into that right now. Yeah, per se. I mean, okay. it's the time to do this episode though, because we keep having a very similar conversation with all of our clients. Yeah, we we were gonna have a guest on today, and we're like, no, this is way too pressing. <laughs> People need to know about the topic. Either and that, or our door knocking guest had to go knock on some doors. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I think this is very timely, and you know, we can talk about knocking on doors any day. This, Matt, you are a hundred percent correct. This is the conversation I'm having. With all of my clients. Oh, I'm curious to see if we're having the same conversation. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, I had something kind of interesting happen this week. I did a deal with an agent that I did a deal with, like maybe my second or third deal ever. Ever. And, and he was brand new at the time too. We started within a month of each other. <laughs> sure, that deal went great. <laughs> it was amazing. Ignorance is bliss. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but it's kind of surreal dealing with him now because I have a lot more experience and he has a lot more experience, but also there's this like, oh, we were new together. It was it was very strange seeing how his mindset has developed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he asked me a few questions during the thing, which um, I'm like, well, that's not how I do things. Why why didn't you learn how to do everything exactly the way I learned how to do everything? <laughs> same, same timing, different, different paths. And neither yeah. of you were one of the real estate statistics on new agents. Oh, yeah. That oh, was interesting. Nice throwback. Season two, episode one. Back, back to last week. <laughs> well, and I wish we talked about it last week. I, I told di- Matt. how dire it is for new licensees. I don't think I told Jerry yet. I was looking at the uh, NAR statistics, which is, in fairness, the American real estate statistics. But they're similar to us, but they're way better at recording because there's way more people. Um, 33% of new agents fail in the first year. And 87% of new agents fail within five years are out of the business. That's a lot. I wouldn't be surprised if that is completely accurate to, to, it, us, to us here. Yeah. Like you're saying that, that those American stats translate to Canada. They've got a larger sampling, right? Like yeah. A larger, larger it's pool, probably but, similar. But I would imagine it's a similar reason why people are getting in. Um, yeah. I don't think it would be, be much different. So everybody needs to go back and listen to the last episode, <laughs> I think. That's but, an easy callback. Oh, yeah. by the way, while we're on the topic... Uh, I totally did a terrible job of editing episode one. I'm talking to all of our listeners. Thanks for listening. Oh, I caught that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you you I, gave him a little behind the scenes. <laughs> <laughs> we, we've added this evolution of video, and I thought I had my correct audio file, but what I realized when I brought my audio file over is I, I didn't trim the front end. So You're so focused on getting this this video that yeah. was successfully recorded. No, on I, checked all of my, all of, I checked the, all of the, in, the segment in, s- bits in between. I checked the end. I don't know why mm. I didn't double check the beginning. I think if you didn't tell them, I, I thought it was intentional. I thought it was like, 
We're saying we're fly on the wall. Like you, you're getting the behind the scenes. Oh, is this like, how I'm supposed to do episode two? No, please don't. Because <laughs> we were really lucky that everything was totally appropriate. Uh, there was no accidental, no, no offside uh, comments or, or yeah, f bombs. F bombs. So that won't happen again. Yeah. All right. Well, only better for episode two. Let's get nuts. You decide your own level of involvement. Well, I guess this is a case where we'll have to agree to disagree. I don't agree to that. Neither do I. Wrong. National debt. Wrong. Wrong. Advocate. Wrong. Without money, wrong. Lost wrong. 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 Very nice words, but happens to be wrong. You're listening to Multiple Offers, a real estate show. So I'm really curious... How are the conversations going right now with clients about what the market is doing? When I get to have a conversation with them, they're good. Okay. We left, like with a lot of people, we left off from the fall winter market. I guess we're still kind of in, it's weird because it's almost like once we get through the previous year, we're kind of in the early spring market. Do you call it winter market? I think we're still in winter. Still kind of call it winter yeah. market. But you get to a point because it's such a, like after Labor Day weekend, it's just such a shorter market. Um, the yeah, people are like, you know what, we're not quite ready. We thought we were going to be able to get some more things done around the house. And then we end the conversation and the last year with, we will keep you posted. Let's chat. It could be as early as January, but it could be a February thing, but we'll, we'll start to see how things are going. And then, uh, and let's, yeah, let you know what, what in terms of timing, we're building these plans with people. We talk about that all the time. Um, but it just seemed like January, even like in December, there was just such, uh, I don't know if it's just built up demand or if it's the news, we can get into that, um, or just a sheer lack of inventory, uh, which we're still experiencing, but just having, yeah, people that were, are out there now and, and trying to get, and even still, we have some clients that maybe they thought that they had more time. And you're like, well, no, it's actually quite, this could be a great time. So just so we have a complete picture... And I know, Matt, you went back and you listened to it, did you not? <laughs> I did, yeah. Our last episode before we took a break was not only what was happening, but also, we did we make predictions? We did. We made a couple of predictions. Nothing too bold, but okay. But we, we tried a couple of things. But uh, yeah, I mean, that was episode 71. We recorded that second week of September, and we took a look at what we thought was going to happen in September, and then through the fall. That wasn't and the last we, episode. we took a look at what we thought was going to happen, and we quit the show. <laughs> <laughs> was that the last episode? Yeah, that was the last that was one the that, that we published. That our, yeah. Yeah. We're out going out, out on a bank. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So the market was not good when we took a break. Well, we'd come out of a, the summer. August had given us actually a lot of uh, positivity towards right. the market. And, and what we ended up saying about condos was that we thought volume was going to go up, but prices would stay pretty flat. Volume mean number, number available of sales. or sales. number of sales? Number of sales. Right. Number of sales. So we had 81 uh, or 82 sales in August. Yeah. And I had made the bold prediction that I thought we'd hit triple digits condo sales in September. So 100 or more. Did you check if that happened? I did. And? <laughs> Not in September. Okay. We hit 87 in September. It was a bit of a slow burn. But then October, we hit 111. So our listeners won't see, but... Look at what, what I wrote down on my page. Oh, October. Yeah, and okay. that was for later, but I wanted to talk <laughs> about that's to me when I first started being like, wait a second, this isn't normal October behavior. Yeah, so things were getting noticeably better. So we made that prediction that we thought prices might creep up, nothing dramatic, um, but more likely to go up, certainly not down, was the vibe we were getting, and in, in volume of sales would go up. And then for houses, we thought it was going to pretty much kind of stay the same. Yeah. Um, and again, it, it kind of depends on the category because it's, right. it's quite broad with detached houses from what a builder might pick up to what is a good fit for a family. Um, but we thought it was going to be reasonably stagnant. And Jeff had this bit that he said where he says, now could be a really good time to buy a house. I'm, right. in, I'm in a nice townhouse and I think it would be a good time to liquidate my nice townhouse. And then- I maybe stand by that statement. I know, you said it yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like word for word, the same thing three months ago. Yeah. <laughs> we even looked up to like, you know, trying to find the bottom. We never know the bottom until it starts going up again. Um, like even the HPI, Matt, I think you were looking at it and you were, we were kind of looking, we saw that it was like, was it around November, October, November? 
to actually yep. see where the prices were for, for condos. I think we were looking at. Yep. Um, yeah. October is when it started to happen. So, I mean, that's the, that's the past. So we've, we've carried momentum through the end of 2019. October was the bottom as far as prices go. Uh, no, October was an improvement. Right. So probably like was September well, or we, August maybe. There's yeah. no exact bottom because yeah. it depends on the category. Yeah. Right. But volume wise, we were the, still. The turn definitely started in October. That's when it felt like it was recovering for condos for sure. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll pull up the stats uh, right now, uh, but it was it was nothing dramatic, right? We were watching it, you know. I, I remember the first thing I noticed was in October, I was like, oh, the sales ratios were over 20%, which for our listeners who maybe don't aren't real estate stats geeks, traditionally, if 20% of the inventory sells in a month, that's supposed to be a good market. Now, we've been spoiled over the last years because at the height of the market, 95% of everything was selling every month. But 20%, that's supposed to be when things get better. And then November, it was still over 20. December, it was over 20. And basically, we've seen not only things level out, but level out consistently where if things don't change, inventory is going to be very, very low. It's already very low. Yes. If we, I look at the curve right now, it's that yeah. that demand was happening consistently through, but because of that that shorter time frame, we didn't have a lot of new listings come on. So we were almost like the buyers started buying some of the, the properties that were like a little more stagnant. Um, yeah. not, not the bell of the ball, so to speak, but because uh, obviously people aren't listing places in December or this year in McLennan. Um, well, what you're referring to is I specifically told people, like I had people that I was having those conversations with you as well of, okay, next year we're going to sell. And for a lot of condos, my advice was, hey, guys, there's nothing for sale right now, and everything's selling. And there still seems to be a fair amount of demand. And so we went through those, you know, people bought up those properties that were getting a little bit older, um, and we're not, again, getting new ones coming on. It's January, um, end of January. So one question I have based on that, like the stats ratios when you look at December – is most homes were selling, condos in New West were about 3% off their asking price. Now, do you think that will continue or are we going to see that gap get smaller and smaller? Like, was that because what was selling was the old stuff that was maybe overpriced to begin with? Or is it that buyers are still expecting a buyer's market? Or what's your take on that, Jerry? Um, I, I think anytime you've got, like it's that classic supply and demand ratio and, and anytime you've got a, a high amount of demand, demand seems to be increasing steadily, um, like you know, month over month. We didn't have much in December that was available. We still don't have much right now. So I think that it's, it's we're starting to see that, that in the buyer's behavior out there, that when they find something that's good and they want, right. they're not afraid to write on it. We've seen that in, with a couple multiple offers uh, on properties recently and not even like we've said this time and time again, that the good stuff will always sell. There's always going to be someone that wants to buy it, but we've even seen this on properties that aren't the best product out there. And they were getting, they were getting into those situations recently, just price sharp, not even, not even underpricing. Um, right. But price sharp and going and, and over ask, um, you know, there's one even in December that sold with a, a subject free offer, which hopefully we don't go back to that. Um, but yeah. that could be a reality moving forward. I'm not seeing that too often yet. Like I, I was in multiple offers that a buyer didn't get it a couple days ago and the winning offer had subject. Like, it seems like people still, people, we're not, we're not like, not there. Oh, it's we're 2017. Not there. No, we're not there yet. no, I'm yeah. seeing people win multiple offers under asking price. I'm seeing that less and less, but it's still, yeah, still, it just means that we're, we're not getting too carried away right. as a community of buyers, right? Where it's going to just, the door, doors are going to get blown off. I, I won a multiple at the beginning of January, like. 15 grand under asking. I don't think that'll be able to fly. Like if this was a month later, my guess is that that's, that's not a thing. Yeah. yeah. It'll well, take some time to see that if these are trends or if these are one-off situations. Yeah. Uh, I want to just kind of build into where we think things mm-hmm. are going, but I, w- I want to call back for a moment because you asked where the bottom was. And I think when listeners hear that, that's, that's a real trigger, right? Sure. You hear that and you go, okay, well, was it the bottom? I'm nothing if not sensational. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's reasonable. You want to know. I mean, I think part of what happened was when I look at the, the stats right here, there was a low point in July and August yeah. and then again in September. And it was three months where it was pretty sort of stable at the lowest point of the curve. Yeah. And the, the, we, we came to an acceptance that that was the bottom. 
And I think that's why we've slowly seen this momentum build. And where we are now is all of the media outlets, the the folks who make predictions who aren't real estate agents mm-hmm. have made their predictions for 2020 and they're all saying it's going to be better. Things are going to, volume's going to go up, sale prices are going to go up and there's enough evidence for that the buyers believe it now yep. and they are out there and they're sniffing around and we're seeing a lot of, a lot of showings, a lot of people at open houses. The buy- buyers around here, like lower mainland, greater Vancouver, whatever you want to call it, they do seem to put a lot of weight in the media. Um, and these these press releases that come out, and especially when they're making predictions of markets going up or markets going down, it just it seems like it's it's always been really po- uh, polarizing here. Um, if they hear that the market's going down, everyone just sort of locks up, We're like no one's writing offers anymore. I'm going to wait. Um, and then and then the, you know the, the inverse is true, right? With with uh, with when it's going up, so I, it feels like it's a bit of that. Um, whether that's a false start for 2020, something I always think about is that with like. The market starts to change, and then the media reports it. But then the media reporting it causes it to happen even more. Like, there's this weird cycle with real estate and media in greater Vancouver where you're like, oh, we had kind of, like, when when it was dropping, it's like, oh, it leveled off. And then the media starts reporting how bad it is. And then it starts dropping again because everybody's like, the sky is falling. And that works in the the inverse of that is true as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I want to say the takeaway for, like, our listeners here, what are they getting from it, is we're going to be ahead of the media this episode, right? So uh, we are saying the bottom is behind us. It's well behind us. It's months behind us. Yes. Right, so it's only going to get better. We know that the spring here is going to bring a lot of activity, and and part of what we want to bring is strategies on how to be successful through that, rather than waiting until March when the media starts reporting how strong the market is, and then you get caught in these very aggressive multiple offers, and you sell your condo and you want to buy that starter home, and there's fourteen other families that are interested in it. Yeah. And before we maybe get into some of the tactics, I I do want to just take a little bit of time and chat about like, why, why, why did we hit bottom? I mean, you briefly mentioned everybody seems to collectively have decided like, okay, prices have fallen enough. But I mean, is there any insight into why it's moving now? Is it just the media? What what are your guys' thoughts? I think that... Now, I've been doing real estate for whatever, like 11-ish years. I started right around the last sort of big crash around the the 2008 market. Um, It seemed that, you know, prices go up fairly. It starts to get crazy. goes up fairly quickly. Um, You see a correction. That was obviously there were stock market crashes, recessions, all sorts of bad things happening uh, down in the States with subprime and everything. Um, We... You know, we had our downturn. It, it didn't last very long. It was a matter of months. Uh, and it was about, you know, 10 to maybe 15% in some some uh, some markets. And then it all of a sudden was okay to buy again. And like pe- the buyer confidence, was like that was enough of a correction. I'm happy. I will go back in now and buy something. Um, and it seems like like it kind of replicated itself, maybe not as drastically, but it, it sort of did where we went through that dip. And, and right when it was sort of around that point, um, people were okay to buy again and that and it just I guess has snowballed from there when someone you wait long enough and I mean it happens with our buyers where like I like this condo but I feel like I've got time because there's another one in that building or there's a couple other I lo- others I like and then when they do call call back to those and they've sold all of a sudden you have it in their mind like just the psychology of it that oh someone else got that one and and it just I think it just slowly it's a slow build but it does t- tend to get to a point where it snowballs and it, it can get a bit of out of control here that's what I think I have a question for you. So the beginning of everything changing, I feel like there were lots of factors, but one of the big factors was the new stress test rules. Is that fair to say? The last little, like the secondary blip we had? 20, yeah. 2017? Yeah, because like condos went nuts and then everybody tried to get in before the new rules came in and then the new rules came in and everybody qualified for way less money. And it seemed to me that that was one of the points where the market started to adjust. Do we, do we agree with that statement? I'm not really looking that far back at trends. I'm more looking to the future. So I, I can't say you're right or wrong. Okay. There's a secondary blip though around that time with the stress test of people trying to get, get in because it was, it was it significantly impact their budget. Right. Um, if I just had to boil it down historically, it's just that we reached a, a maximum point of what people were willing to pay. I, so I guess what I'm getting at is I feel like there's more to it. I feel like people lost buying power. Whether they were willing to pay it or not, the stress test did change what they qualified for significantly. 
And I guess my one question is, have we fallen enough that those people can get what they couldn't buy? Like a year ago, they lost their ability to to purchase it. Have prices fallen enough that they can get in? And I don't know that we have a, a concrete answer. It's just something I'm thinking. Well, about. even if they haven't... Or do they feel like they can? Well, we're, <laughs> yeah. we're, we're at a point of acceptance. It's an acceptance that the bottom of the market is behind us. It's an acceptance that whatever a home costs now, yeah. in whatever region it is, this is what it's going to cost. Right. So there's no more waiting around, yeah. trying to make what, okay, yeah, I, I used to qualify for 700, now I'll qualify for 620. Yeah. I just have to find a home I can buy for 620. Right. Because 700, the $700,000 house is not going to come down to me. So whether it has or hasn't come down, maybe the mourning period of like, okay, I lost $80,000 of buying power. You have the expectation, the expectations change. You have the the fear of missing out. Um, I think people just manage it and they go, okay, well, now I need something different or now I need to move further east. Right. Um, but, and I, I, I need to own something. I want to own something. I don't want to be a renter forever. Um so they That's just, the they big thing the right there is that we spent nearly two years in this low sales volume world yeah. in a region where we always have high sales volume. It's not that all those people out there didn't want to move and yeah. didn't want to buy. They just had to feel that they weren't getting absolutely sewered buying at too high of a price. Well, and I, I feel like one thing I've noticed, which is why I was asking the question, the majority of people I'm working with right now are people who wanted to buy a couple years ago and got priced out of the market. Whether they were working with me or someone else, that's the story I keep hearing over and over again. And the original story we heard is exactly what Jared just said. All those people are going to leave. But they all seem to be here. They all seem to be trying to buy where they were trying to buy before. Now, they might be buying something not quite as big as what they had their eyes on. But a lot of them are getting something that they're totally like, you know what? This is it. Like, this is what I want. My family can live here. I can stay here a long time. And it seems like they didn't all go. They all just kind of waited. And now it seems like it's gotten back to a place where a lot of those people can accomplish what they wanted to that was kind of pulled out of their grasp. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think I'll go back to it again. I think the strongest word to describe the strength of our market right now is acceptance. Yeah. Because people accepted the reality that was faced for them or put in front of them and time heals all wounds. Because <laughs> I've had those same clients who are like, I was yeah. in that environment, you know, a year and a half ago, two years ago, multiple offer, 50,000 over asking. Like, I'm just not doing this. I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. You know? Get a little bit bitter. <laughs> um, it's, well, emo- it's emotional, but they're not getting back to those prices anyways. So they, they've kind of realized that, 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 that maybe, maybe I'm buying at 7% off what it was after the stress test peak. And you're like, it's as good as it gets. Now, yeah. if... What got you out of the market is what Matt was saying, that I don't want to compete. I don't want to write 50 grand over asking. I'm not doing it. Uh, Time might be of the essence here because we're not back to where we were. And I'm not willing to say just yet like, oh, it's going to be nuts like it was before. But we are certainly moving into a, if you are buying, you need to compete and be ready to compete and those, mindset again. Those solid prices that we had at that secondary peak are so very fresh. And when, when we're doing comparables and we're seeing like, what what did this two bedroom max out in this building? Like it wasn't that long ago. Yeah. And it's going to be really easy to erase that that last little drop that we had. Um, like before we were setting new, new benchmarks, like week yes. over week over week. Holy crap. Um, We've just, we've erased that last little hump, but I, I think that if anything, we will, we will be able to get there. It's tangible. It's, it was recent enough. Um, I don't think it'll take that long. I'm not going to say like whether it's a matter of, you know, one month or, or three, you know, or, or in June or whatever. Um, but I think that, my, yeah, I believe it would be getting back to that pretty quick. So on that note, Matt, you had talked about maybe giving some strategy and some tactics. Should we maybe get into some things that maybe buyers and sellers should be shifting the way that they're thinking about stuff? For sure. The first thing that we've been talking about a lot with our clients is because they're hearing these reports that prices are going to go up and they say, well, so, so if we wait a couple months, our, Ah, our property will be worth its maximum value. It's a trap. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, And it's like, well, you are correct. As a homeowner, when you sell, you will be at your peak value April and May. But if you try to buy at that same time, one, the property you're buying will also be at its peak value. Two, competition will be far more fierce than it is today in January and February. Yeah. Is that a similar chat that you're having? Yeah. I've been telling people I feel like spring's coming early. 
this year. It, mm. it wouldn't surprise me if things really heat up a little more than when they like. I, we're just so low. The best time sure. to sell is when there's nothing else to compete. Yeah, with. and 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 I'll say that we're like we're in a quote unquote recovery year. Yeah, and in a recovery year, you could statistically we always come out strong in February. Yeah, so it's going to happen. But even when that happens, the curve continues to go in an upward trajectory, February, March, April. Yeah. And it will do that this year too. Now that growth rate, if it's 2% or 10% is sort of the X factor, but it will continue growing. So you will be at your peak value by April. So even if you tell people like it's going to be early spring, February is going to be really strong. Yeah. They can look at a graph historically and say, but I'll be worth more in April, Jeff. Right. Yeah. But more isn't always better. Well, you bring up a very good point about, but you got to buy something too. Or if you do. If you do. Yeah. And that's the conversation we're having with people. Are you planning on buying? Because if you are, you're going to sell your two bedroom condo or your starter house. And you're going to fight over that one perfect one that everyone's trying to move up to. And there's going to be 10 of you fighting over that same one home. Yeah. And have you just canceled out this benefit you got from selling at the peak? Yeah. A lot of people moving up right now for us and, 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 and potentially getting trapped in that zone too, where it's like, I can kind of afford a townhouse potentially. And you're like that, that you could almost limit yourself in, in the type of property you buy. It could stop you from having to go to like Poco or Langley or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, but if you want to stay with your family here in New West, that, and that, that window potentially could be, yeah, could be closing pretty quick. I think too, for people who are currently on the market, one thing to really be measuring is how many showings you're getting every single week. I have uh, two listings that are both on the market right now, and both of them by two months ago's statuses would have been a little uh, high on price. Not a lot, but maybe just a little. And one of them got flooded with showings last week. Like we had nine appointments between Saturday and Sunday. That's a lot. And I mean, I was telling other realtors, like, I'm not full of it here, but you need to know, like, I'm here all day because uh, you're all calling on <laughs> They're it. They're going to think that you're, yeah, just posturing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I mean, some of them, the people were coming in as, I, as they were going out, which uh, was nice. That listing, if this had been a couple months ago, I would have said, okay, we pushed the market a little bit, time to reduce. But when activity picks up to that level, you're like, okay. Things, things are happening. The market has decided. On the other hand, I have another listing that I don't think we're too far off price. In fact, I would have said of the two, it was the one I thought was better priced. Mm-hmm. But we're not getting the showings. And I think right now, like normally in a regular market, if I don't get showings for a couple of weeks, I'm not panicking. It's like I'm looking at a month and it'll all even out statistically. But when every other listing, the phone is ringing off the hook you need to start asking, okay, what's going on? Why aren't people, why aren't people calling? Um, because the buyers are out there. It's not just like, oh, there's nobody to see it this week, which in a slower market, that might just be the case. There are no buyers. Yeah. There, there's a lot of them out there and a lot of them looking, Yeah, right? So we're getting to that point. I want to sneak in a little tip for people who are listening as far as getting a good deal. Now, Jeff's listing, enough agents have caught wind of it and they're there writing offers and Jeff would never let a buyer's agent get away with this. But if a seller's agent isn't quite in tune with the increase that's happening right now. Totally. And they've had a a place on the market for four months and the agent is tired of it and the seller, the homeowner really wants to liquidate, you could sneak in there with an offer that is effectively under market value because they've been on the market for three or four months and sneak that away from them right now. Yeah, I, I had one agent try that on me. He was like, oh, I seen you've been on the market a couple months. Like, tough market right now, huh? And I'm like, yeah, you and the other nine agents all said that, but you're all coming today. And <laughs> and, uh, and immediately he was like, yeah, something changed, huh? <laughs> but there's the opportunity to try there, catch someone off guard, yeah. right? As far as sneaking in deals in the market. But that's just a little side note for our listeners if you're feeling real eager right now. For sure. Right? As far as another strategy, though, we talked about you know, not wanting to wait till the peak to sell. Yeah. I do want to contradict myself that if you're selling an entry level product during the peak, you may be in tough competition when you purchase, but you also have a lot more assurance that you will be able to sell the home you, you currently have. Mm, I see what you mean. So in a strong market, it's like, can I liquidate it? Yes. At what price? Not sure, but it's going to be pretty strong. So I have a dilemma for you <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to use you guys as a test case because this is real. Ooh. I have a listing coming up. 
tenant, we were supposed to list it Monday. It's tenanted. And uh, the tenant isn't bad to the place by any means, but it shows like a tenanted property. It's not going to show like, here's the checklist, do all this stuff. The tenant called and said, I heard you were selling. I'm going to move out in two weeks. So imagine two weeks plus another week to get everything ready, take the pictures and stuff. In your shoes, is your advice to the seller, we should stick with it, list Monday, or do we wait three weeks? Well, that depends on the seller's objective. What do they want to do with this money? Mm, they're just liquidating, it, liquidating an investment. I'd wait. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that, that was my advice as well, was, hey, we can, we can launch properly. Like our original plan to make was, it look good. was we're going to put it up there, and then if it hasn't sold by the time the tenant moves out, like, two months from now, then we'll do all the really nice photos and all of that and kind of redo it. But when it's only three weeks away... And statistically, and I'm hoping I'm not jinxing myself here, it feels like the market's still going to be pretty sweet in three weeks. This isn't a, yeah, a, a one-month blip. Yeah. 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 There's no way you lose value between today and three or four weeks from now. Well, it's not no way. Okay. But, but it's very unlikely. Very, very unlikely, yeah. right? So that's one part of it. The second is you're only adding value by removing the tenant and dressing it up a little better. Totally. So between those two, if hypothetically we think the market's going to go up a little bit in the next three weeks and the value of the home increases because it markets itself better without all the clutter from a tenant, yeah. you've added two different ways of increasing value. Now, what do we think? Because at the height of the market, the one of the dominant strategies, and I, I know not everybody agreed with this, but one of the strategies we saw over and over, and if you were working with a buyer, you had to prepare your buyer to deal with this was underprice the home, wait for a week, take offers after a week, and it's going to go way over. Um, what if a seller says like, hey, what if, should we underprice it? Like what, and, and hold off? What, no. What's, why? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Enough with that nonsense. Uh, I talked about it a little earlier that I don't think there's quite that aggressive attitude from the buyers. Yeah. So you're, you're just, you're hanging your hat on something that just really isn't enough of a sure thing. Okay. You know, I, I 100% buy into the, the model of pricing it to get a fast sale and to get multiple offers. Yeah. I just don't like underpricing it. Now, what if we go middle road here? What about, well, should I look at offers right away or should I wait a week? I like to wait until after the first weekend, even in... Now, so not necessarily a week, but at least let the open house happen. Yeah, let us get through the, the weekend. So maybe you hit the market on Tuesday or Wednesday and you want to look at offers on Monday. Now, I'm not doing that with every listing. I'm going to look at the property and say, is this one that's going to garner enough of that attention? Sure. Yeah. Because that will be the best outcome for the homeowner. But if it's one that is sort of one of these, eh, there's a small pool of people who will love it. Right. Maybe if somebody's been waiting for one of these, we should let them get really excited and write an offer on day one or day two. Yeah. And if that was the case, I'd probably set my price a little bit higher if mm -hmm. I thought I might take an offer on day one or day two yeah. versus waiting until after the weekend. Uh, there's no one exact right price. Jeremy makes fun of me for my language, but I have what's called the low side and the high side of fair. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so there's a range, right? But I use the language usually when I'm talking with buyers. Like, am I paying too much? I'm like, that's the high side of fair. Right. <laughs> As opposed to when you actually are getting into the territory where you're like, yeah, no, that's I think that's too much. Because you're going to you, regret this when you sell. You get yeah. stuck on, and it's easy for buyers to get stuck on on this price for this product. And you're like, okay, so you said no to it. Uh, and then someone went five, ten thousand dollars $10,000 over what you were going to pay. So what market value is what that person pays for it. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it's so easy to get hung up on those situations. I think you have your own sort of lingo too about your, like, you know, somebody that misses out on um, that person that missed out on it for over five grand or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, that hindsight site can be be a real issue if, if it plays out the wrong way. Yeah, for sure. I, and the, one of the languages I really recommend and are, are do we have more to say about sellers or, cause I, Based well, on what Jer said, I, it's it's buyer stuff I'm going to talk about. But if uh, are we ready to talk about yeah, buyers? Okay. We're, we're just we're just moving along here. So flying the wall, Jeff. One of the things Jer that I use language wise with buyers is because you can really lose your mind in a multiple offer, and you can you can really get out of control. And we I wrote in a multiple offer last on on the weekend, um, and it was a tough spot. It uh, Princess Building, 
which we know is very popular. If you're in New West, this is no surprise. The senior community loves this mall, building. Mall, mall building or, or Twin Towers? Across the street. Twin Towers. Across, yeah, okay. Yeah. So my guys are not the demographic. When we went to the open house... That's always a tough one. It was very <laughs> clear that they were not the demographic. Now, they don't care. But one of the things we had a conversation with is, it's a lot easier for somebody downsizing from a house to overpay than for you. Because you've got a mortgage, and you're going to be living with these payments month to month. And they plan to sell it sometime in the reasonably near future. Sure. And need to get that part right to move up. 100%. Sorry. Whereas somebody downsizing from a house... like. If they got $1.1 million for their house, do they care if they pay 10 or 20 grand too much for their $600,000 condo? Like, it, it's a well, very different they're, perspective. They're thinking longer time frames. They're thinking it's my yeah. kid's problem. And I'm only happens. leaving my house if I get the one that I picked. Right. And I just picked this one. Yeah. And something weird that happens in the princess buildings is they're like, all my friends live in this building. <laughs> like, it's like high school all over again. Like... I've had people switch towers because their friends, like they're not friends in this tower anymore. Their friends are now in the other tower and they want to be where the cool kids are. So they allow allow pets in the other one. Totally. So, you know, one thing I said is to not get too carried away with, like we can't really worry about what they're doing. What you need to do is look at your payments. I think payments are a way better thing to look at than sticker price because you live with payments. And also what Jer was referring to, I always tell people, you know, imagine I come back to you and I say, you know, you wrote 600 and it went for 605. Yep. Are you disappointed that you didn't get it? Or are you like, oh man, I didn't want to pay 605 anyway. And that's what these people did. Now we didn't get it, but it did. I don't know what the price was, but they did go as far as they were comfortable with. That's and, it. And, yep. and I think that's the right all way to look at it. As a you need to make, you need to commit to that emotionally before you submit your offer. A hundred percent. Cause yep. in the moment. Yeah. Like, it's a little more. super easy. It's like being at an auction, right? Oh, yeah. A little more, a little more, a little more. That's why auctions work to totally. sell things for way more than they're worth. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, I mean, that makes sense from buyers. Like, don't get too carried away in this stuff. Uh, obviously, the situation really matters. Um, for buyers right now, if they own and they want to buy, right? What about the timing? Do you buy first? Do you sell first? How do you sequence these things in what could is a very unknown situation in front of us for the next few months? That's a really good question because there's there's two big sides. <laughs> Side number one is Matt's whole point about, well, if you buy now, you got to sell, or if you sell now, you got to buy after. And if prices are going up, you know, you lose the longer you wait between when you sell. So if you sell at today's price, you have to buy at a higher tomorrow's right. price. And that's real. And if you can swing it statistically... Again, I don't think we're there yet, but at the height of the market last time, there were lots of times I was selling to people, buy first. We're going to get, like, we know the numbers work at this. I know we're going to get it. I know I can sell your house. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if I can get you into something. Right. And and I mean, at the, the worst case, I, I have a friend who's a realtor in Vancouver. She wrote 20 offers. Wow. With one set of buyers, and they never got one. And eventually they gave up. And yeah, the buying part was way harder. I don't think we're there yet. I mean, st- if I was just playing statistics, I think it actually is smarter to buy uh, first and then sell second. I, I agree. I think what you need to do is have a really clear understanding of what your home is worth that you're yeah. in and be willing to accept that if Jeff says, I think your home is worth about 620, you're yeah. like, if it really gets tough, I have to be willing to sell this for 600 to know that when the, the calendar is working against me. Yeah, you got to build in a buffer. Yeah, that I can liquidate it. Now that said... If it was me doing it, I would still sell first personally. Would you? Yeah, I would. Um, I'm a buy first. Yeah. I um, Depends on what you have though. But you see, I'm twofold though. I, I buy first too because when I move, the property I'm buying is so critically important. Yeah. So that selection has to be made first. And I'm willing to take a haircut on the property I own and sell it for less yeah, for that assurance that yeah. I'm, getting, I'm buying what I wanted. So it's less about the, is the market going to go up and more just, I want to know that I made my pick. Yeah. It, it's more of a dilemma now than it, and like in a transition, that's when it's the hardest decision to make. Like if we were in solid 50% or more of everything is selling every month, buy first. Okay. 100%. And what about like, this market right now? 
it's only it's we're coming up to the end of January. Yeah. People are going to listen to this probably for another month or two from now. Yeah. So let's think about advice that lands maybe in March and April as well. But, sure. But for right now, what about subject to sale? I don't think it's going to fly. I think it's going to be very, very difficult to get a subject to sale offer accepted. It Even in the tough market, half the time people didn't take it. I don't think it's... You're never going to win a multiple offer. With you will not win in a multiple of subject to sale. But I have, I just have this feeling that in a situation where a home has been on the market There's maybe for a couple six, months... 60, 90 day listings there's, there's out there. There's lots of old listings are, out there. And if you could find one that works for you at the right price, yeah. I'd, I'd go in, I'd make a subject to sale offer and maybe they don't bite on, but I'd start with that and I'd try and I'd give, give myself some assurance. Now, this depends on the product a lot. I also ex- think you should be ready that you're going to get, like the yes. amount of time oh, you yeah. have is oh, low. It's, it's you fishing. Get, it's fishing yeah, and it's yeah. a small, it's a yeah. small window. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I definitely say that too. Mike, if we're going to do this subject to sale, you're pretty much sort of ready to be bumped, but it gives you this buffer sure. to get your home on the market, get a sense of what's the appetite from the market for the home that you own. Yeah. Can you get the price that you're kind of banking on? And if you don't get all the showings, then you're like, oh, it's not going to work out for me. But if yeah. you're getting showings, you've at least had a taste yep. to tell you what the appetite is. Um, so I, given this, the right circumstances, I would try it right now. But as soon as multiples are a common occurrence, yeah, it's off it's the a table. Small, if you can get it done, it, it's probably a small window. Yeah. If you're, a, if with, you're listening to the, yeah. this, this this week... First week of February might still be an option. And, and as a seller in that situation, like the, the person who wants to buy and sell subject to sale, um, you need to accept the price you're going to sell your home for mm-hmm. is, is going to be something that gets it done quickly. And, right. th- and that's how you pitch it to the person who you're making the offer to right there, right? You're like, I'd like to buy your house only if I can sell mine, but I'm going to tell you that I'm going to sell my home for a good price. I'm going to put it on the market. We're going to make this happen fast. And be ready to go. Have all the photos already done. Be, yeah. be like... Because I've yeah. heard I've heard from a few agents I came in and saw their listings and we were talking about offers. I'm like, oh, have you been doing? Have you been getting offers? I said, well, I had a few offers. Yeah. But they were subject to sale. And one of them, the property had been on the market for four months. Right. So we just really weren't interested in talking about that one. And that's reasonable from a seller's perspective. Mm-hmm. But I would say as a seller, I'd say, hey, I'd, I'd be interested in this. But if you me, reduce your price. Yeah, drop your price. <laughs> yeah. Make it appealing. I think my, yeah, my, my big kind of, summary for people too, is just like, get your agent involved as, as soon as possible. Cause there's things, it's a moving target right now. It's, it's potentially changing quickly. Um, there's a lot of moving parts with, with your individual, you know, buyer seller situations. Um, so getting somebody in there to talk about it and, and get that plan going, um, isn't, yeah, it's, it's important. Cause if you're thinking that I'm going to sell like around April, cause that's good. Cause it's springtime and you're calling one of us in March, could have been like, oh, I wish I had this conversation in January um, to at least sort of plan a bit better. I, I have a, what I think is a really good piece of advice for buyers. Don't look at your maximum price right now. Now, if you're looking at stuff that's been on the market for a while, like it's been on the market a couple months, totally go for it. But if you qualify for 550, you probably want to be writing offers on stuff that's 540, 530, so that at the very least, in that first week, if it does go into multiples, you're not just writing offer after offer and just missing out because you cannot compete when the excitement happens. Like, I think that was the advice I was giving all the time when the market was at the hottest. I don't think it's as extreme. Like, I used to tell people, like, don't even look at stuff 50 grand. Like You need to look 50 grand below you need to your look budget. 50 grand below your top line. Yeah. I don't, we're not there. But you do need to be prepared that if the listing hit this week, there is a good chance you are competing for it. Yep, that's that's a good piece of advice for sure. Yeah. I, one other thing when Jer was talking about uh, get your agent involved earlier, and this is a seller thing. Um, I'm trying desperately to keep updating people I did CMAs for three months ago but aren't ready to sell yet. CMAs uh, are market evaluations. Um, Because the numbers I told them are potentially inaccurate now. And my big fear is they're talking to their buddy who is like, oh, my realtor says things have gotten great. He told me my place is worth this. My place and your place are the same. And then all of a sudden you lose a listing, not because you gave them inaccurate information, but because 
you didn't update them that the, the change yeah. happened. Yeah, the change and, and change of strategy too, right? Yeah, change in totally. pricing, change in strategy. So if you made a plan for one plan of action three months ago, it's going to be very different today. Um, I want to close with predictions. Okay. So can we start with houses? We haven't said a lot about houses today other than we think people are going to get in competing situations if, if they're moving up. Yeah. Right? Uh, statistically, houses stayed flat at about an average of 1.1 million for the last like six months. Yeah. Uh, do you think the price of houses is going to go up with all this talk of multiples happening? My hot take prediction is that houses will go up, but it's going to take a while. I don't think it's going to be nearly as immediate. I think right now it feels like the real two-bedroom condo first-time buyer bait is really active. And the funny thing is the lower than kind of the stuff that people can afford, but they can potentially afford more. Uh, a friend of the show, Mike Sheldrake, was, we have a program that shows you how many searches your home qualifies for if you change the price. And he has a listing that if he raised the price, more people would be seeing it. Fascinating. Yeah. So now, he'd also be competing with way better stuff. There, it's, yeah. it's, it's not, that There's is another, not the correct tactic. The reason why that, that, that minimum is low is that they don't want. Right. Don't a lot of people have said what product. I get for that is junk, but it's important yeah. to know there's a, there, it's not just about being cheap, but I, I think the beginner stuff will go up in price, which will cause the high, enough of those people will then be able to move into the three bedrooms and then enough three bedrooms will be able to move into townhouses and they'll keep moving up. It's going to be a while in my opinion, before houses get pushed up. Cause you, you, you need to see that like when we're talking about polarizing markets and how people react to, to newspaper articles and things like that in the media. Uh, a lot of times it's the first time buyers are reacting first. Yes. Um, so that's affecting your condos and that could be all over the map in terms of price ranges for those folks. Um, yeah, you're going to have to see that differential between the houses. Like they're just kind of sitting right now. Yeah. Like the good ones are still selling and there's things going on as long as prices are good with, with the detached house. Um, but if we start to see those that creep up all the way from the Michael Sheldrick listing there, mm-hmm. um, all the way up into this six, seven hundred, maybe $800,000 range, um, it could start to make some of those 1.1 houses look a lot better, 1.2. Yeah. Um, and then we start to see that. So maybe kind of the, the yeah, the opposite. Like when, when this all started happening several years ago, it was the houses that were selling and they started started climbing totally. yeah. and then they started buying all the, the big, nice units, view units down on the key. Um, and then that trickled down. Yeah, all, that's, that's all exactly down. right. Yeah. yeah. So let's uh, flip that coin then and talk about strata. We've said it over and over. We think prices are going to go up. Yeah. So what do you think if a condo today is worth 600? Yeah. Do you think by sort of spring market, it's worth 615 to 620 or more like 650. And it's super, okay. yeah, super no basis of proof. Yeah. Uh, but just taking a guess, I think we'll, prices will be up 3% a year from now. A year from now? Yeah. Like when <laughs> we're talking, gonna, it's going to go up and then back down a little bit. No, it'll, it'll, a year from now, it'll be. You're talking about real tiny climbs. I, I, I wanted, my initial impulse was to say 5% because mm-hmm. we fell about 5% last year. That, that was it. Um, and then I kind of got scared. <laughs> so you Are wanted you talking, to say this 600 was going to go to 630, yeah. but you just, but then I, th- I had a little hesitation. Is, is part yeah. of that conservativeness in, in your number because of we've reached such stupidly high prices for everything that it's just like, it's too much. I, I don't, yeah. I mean, it wasn't sustainable, right? There, there were, we got to a point where people couldn't afford to buy and if it gets back there too quickly, does that cause the air to come out of the the balloon? I I don't know. I yeah, my I, I have no basis for this guess, but three three percent by next okay. a year. Uh, I, I'm willing to to take a guess that I think we could see five percent by the end of the spring surge. Okay, uh, but then you're thinking it might cool down again. Yeah, then it'll then it'll just it'll level off. Yeah, and that'll be the peak for the year. And then we'll go through that little softening through the summer. Yeah. And then something similar, similar values through the fall. Yeah. And, and it'll, be, it'll be about that way. But if it was a $600,000 condo today, I would not be surprised to see them going for six thirty by May. Right. 
right? Now that may only hit like 615. Part of what's holding them back is we've reached this sort of sweet spot where there are a number of condos right now that are good starter condos that are 500,000. Right. And that $500,000 mark is the tipping point for property transfer tax or first time buyers. Yeah. So there's they, a lot going on. So as soon as they yeah. exceed that number, it starts costing them more and more to purchase. So it holds that segment right there at 500. And then how far are you willing to go past that then to get something better? And it's like 500 to 550 is like this dead zone. Yeah. If it's an entry level, because the first time buyers are going, why would I pay 530? <laughs> the other part too, I mean, you're you're in Vancouver, obviously, a lot more than we are mm-hmm. as New West guys, people. Um, is that sort of wave that happens? We haven't really talked about that, but it, Vancouver's been pretty active. Jeff, as a person who's down there. So I sold a condo in Vancouver um, for exact same layout, two months from the last sale and I think it was 120 grand over now nicely renovated there were there were factors but I was very nervous about our price going in because I'm like I think it's worth this but there's this other sale and it was only a couple months ago that like is this just going to hang over my head not a single person that came through cared and they all knew about it how many days one week multiple offers three offers okay and we 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 sorry we priced a hundred over and then it sold 30 grand. Another, over, another 30 over on top our, of that. Yeah. Well, Vancouver in general, they're getting places are getting 10 offers on them. Yep. I've heard yeah. 17 so, offers on some. Yeah. Right. So these things are happening and like we look at supply and demand. So we have our, our normal sort of demand in the neighborhood, people from renters, people who love new West they're, that are here. If we're talking about just our, our little region here. Um, and then you have the people that are starting to get pushed out of these other areas. And there's now all of a sudden we're competing with the Vancouver folk. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I mean, what you were saying earlier about people being conditioned, that's a big part of it, right? Like when people come into Vancouver, from Vancouver, the first time this happened was there were very different tactics in Vancouver to winning multiple offers. And then eventually that just became New West tactics yep. because they were all doing it. And There's, there's um, an apartment for sale that I used to live in that has come back on the market at like a kind of a peak price. For me, it's a bit of like a barometric kind of... What is going to... Your, bar- your bar- 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 home bar- that you sold previously. A while back. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there it's, it's priced right around what we were selling these types of properties for, like at the peak peak. That'll be very interesting so to see I'm, what I'm kind of <laughs> curious to see. And it's, it's a good one. Like not just because it was mine, but it's, you know, it checks a lot of... I remember your condo very well. And you did have one of the better units in the building, just where it was laid out. And you if, had that nice garden if you're okay area. With it was sweet. Floor, yeah. Right? Like the, but it didn't even feel like ground floor. It was super private. Why am I trying to sell you your condo? <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. But yeah. But the, the reality is, is that's uh, over, top, over top of the property transfer tax threshold. Yeah. Um, you know, potentially somebody coming with Vancouver money that's less like, I know I'm buying over that. So it doesn't matter um, over that 500 mark for, for the type of product that I'm looking for. Um, you know, for me, if I see that that does sell around that kind of number, um, that could that could shift things a little bit. Yeah, cool. So, well, I hope people like our market update. I think we should do this again in a couple months. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, and I mean, we were talking about the other day. Market updates always people seem to like them. They get tons <laughs> of downloads. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. Please tune in next week. We've got something pretty exciting. Yeah, we have a guest who now. Our door knockers are hope we had we did have some scheduling <laughs> conflicts with our door knockers, but we will hopefully get them back. But they will not be back next week because we have somebody that Matt actually worked with yeah years ago, a long time ago, a, who, girl, a girl boss who <laughs> she moved her practice out into the valley. And is that fair to say? Well, she's at Fraser Valley Realtor. Yeah, but Abbotsford. Yeah, she's so further. Let's not make they, it seem like it's Cloverdale. Fraser she's, Valley board though. Right? Yes. Yeah. 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 And. She has kicked ass. She's doing great. She is top 1% of the industry. I can't wait to talk to Fane. One of the things I'm most excited about is I knew Fane when she was a brand new realtor. And now she is a powerhouse. And I cannot wait to find... Like, I want to talk about the transition. Like, how did she go from... I'm sort of third person on the totem pole and part of this team. And she was great. She was fantastic. But we were sad to sad to lose her, but one on. in 100 agents literally becomes <laughs> top 1% of the industry. I want to know. I, I, I can't wait to talk to her. So hopefully you guys will tune in. In the meantime, if you would like to get a hold of Matt or Jer, you can find them at thenewwestguys.com. That's us. It's been a while. And uh, if you're looking for me, I am Jeff McLennan at realestatenewwest.com. Thank you guys very much.